coming to you from various places around the world. This is the Global Exhibitor Podcast, the podcast designed to help exhibitors succeed internationally. You have a trade show booth, okay, and you want to be found by all the attendees in the room, in the hall, okay? So why not optimize your trade show engagement, okay, so that you can actually uh, maximize your return on investment from that trade show? So the principle is exactly the same. Your host for the Global Exhibitor Podcast is Jeff Hanna, a designer, entrepreneur, business strategist, industry thought leader, and student of world cultures based in the United States. Here's your host, Jeff Hanna. So thank you, Craig. I'm really excited to be interviewing today someone that I've known for a number of years, Mr. Lee Ollie from Manchester, England. He's an international speaker, an entrepreneur, a business coach, mentor, sales strategist, and the managing director of a company called Expo Stars. Lee, we're excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're going to be talking about a number of things that Lee does, including the podcast, which he hosts, which is called In Conversation with Expo Stars. And I'm excited to get into that. But first, let's start with your remote exhibiting model. You're the first person that I know that actually is doing that. So please tell us what it is, how it's working, and just tell us more about it. Sure. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Um, remote exhibiting uh, is something that's actually come out of the COVID pandemic because we had a number of clients who wanted to go to international exhibitions, but they couldn't because of uh, various travel restrictions uh, imposed on them. And what we've been able to do, because we have local freelance um, staffing, professional booth staffers, uh, available, what, we, what we're able to do is take um, an international exhibitor and help them come up with a strategy and get them to uh, be present. And uh, basically, they have to trust us, okay? So they have to trust us with their brand to be able to promote it. And this is something that we've been doing for the past 14 years. And if we can't do it right, I'm not sure who can. <laughs> so uh, what we've been able to do is help international exhibitors by providing them with local professionals who can actually engage um, with their target audience and um, promote their brand uh, in a way uh, that's engaging and be able to collect all of the business cards and um, pass them over uh, to the uh, to the exhibitor. But they, all they have to do is make sure that the stand, the local stand builder uh, builds the booth according to their specifications. We actually have a uh, an event manager on standby who can check all the details, make sure the booth is set up. And then we train our teams to uh, get immersed in the brand, understand who the target audience is, uh, look at, you know, what are the objectives of the exhibitor. And then obviously what we do is we go ahead and uh, place the team on the booth during the event. And their job is purely to go out 
engage the attendees and do some uh, product demonstrations and then collect uh, collect the data and the information that the exhibitor needs so we can do everything for them and we've done this quite successfully for a number of clients a couple of us clients have be, uh, been to uh, dubai for example uh, at a medical show and uh, it's worked to great effect um, because they've actually got uh, great engagement and they've actually got the leads and they didn't actually have the cost um, of traveling of the hotel accommodation and of course they didn't have the cost for the bar bill in the evening <laughs> i'm sure well i think it's a really interesting concept a great idea i'm just wondering what are some of the challenges that you face with it and how do you really gauge success yeah, the challenges are, of course, um, in terms of the training and making sure that we have the right profile of booth staffer to be able to understand the exhibitors, products and services and then be able to communicate the USPs uh, to the target audience. And how we overcome that is by making sure that we train them um, and we have actually a Zoom session or a um, a conference session with the client so that they can actually impart all of the USPs to our teams. Um, and then obviously we have a comprehensive briefing uh, questionnaire that we send out to the client. We have a template that we've used successfully over the past 14 years, even when uh, we are uh, manning a booth that, where the client is actually present. So, um, but the challenge is always making sure that we have the right personality and they're actually able to uh, onboard the information before they actually go on the trade show floor. Um, and then in terms of the data collection um, and the metrics, again, we agree with the exhibitor what kind of information they're looking for. Obviously, we have the normal information like name, address, but what we also like to do is ask uh, key qualifying questions, okay? Like, you know, what are the challenges that they're actually having and what are the next steps that they would like to engage with uh, with the exhibitor as well? So we collect all of that information and then pass it on uh, to, the, uh, to the exhibitor. Well, again, I, I think it's a great concept. I'm glad it's working and uh, I'm happy to, to hear that it's working so well. I can see also that you could scale with that where, you know, you have a client that can't send any people to the show and you do everything turnkey start to finish, or uh, even if they can only send a limited crew or one person or something like that, you can augment their team with, with other people locally so they don't have to send as many, right? Absolutely, yeah. Sometimes it's um, when you have, uh, very technical products. Uh, so you may be in the technology sector, like you know artificial intelligence, or something that requires a detailed technical knowledge. Of course, um, we can't replace the product specialists that they actually have in a company. But what we can do is make sure that people get engaged, and we can actually initiate the conversation. And even I mean, there are companies out there who are actually hosting. Uh, virtually on the booth, a product specialist. So you can have a kiosk uh, where the attendee uh, can uh, click a button and they can get in touch. So pretty much like what we're doing now, uh, Jeff, so they can have a virtual conversation and be able to answer their questions. So uh, that's something that can actually be incorporated into the remote exhibiting experience as well. 
Wow, lots of good stuff there, uh, Lee. I, I really like it, especially applicable to what we're facing today. And it does seem that we're turning the corner a little bit with COVID, and hopefully things will continue to get better. Uh, we hope and pray that does happen. And uh, But the model could still work. I, even if a company has a limited budget for travel or something like that, this could still be very applicable. Uh, it also opens up more doors, so it gives you an opportunity. So a lot of times, I mean, I've been in this position where our industry trade shows happen at the same time. Right. So which one do we choose? Okay. And actually having a remote exhibiting model allows you to attend multiple conferences at the same time. Um, so there may be shows where you've actually just said, mm, that would be really nice to go to. Uh, but we're going to choose the one that we've always gone to. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So we've talked about in the past the attendee engagement experience and what that looks like uh, post-COVID. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on um, how that's going to be different, how it's becoming different, what's the model, and what's the difference? Yeah, the difference is is that what you've got now is obviously reduced numbers. Okay, so what exhibitors are having to do is spend the same amount of money but getting access to less people. So what that means is that what you're going to have to do is make your booth journey much more engaging and make it worthwhile for those attendees that are going there. But because the attendees that are actually visiting the exhibitions are serious, okay? Otherwise, they wouldn't actually travel to the event, okay? So, uh, I mean, if you imagine what you have to go through uh, to go to another country now, multiple, um, you know, PCR tests, and then obviously you have to go through airport check. Nobody is uh, liking what they actually have to go through. So if they do actually end up traveling to going to an event, they're there for a reason, okay? And an exhibitor... Uh, needs to actually have a very engaging process on the uh, on on their booth so that they actually attract the attention and be able to uh, convey uh, why that attendee should be actually uh, doing business uh, with the exhibitor. So I think w- what exhibitors are having to do is look at different ways of engaging those uh, attendees and make the interactions much more meaningful and actually have you know, better quality conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would agree. Does your team uh, brainstorm and, and look for other ways uh, to uh, interact and create engagement like gamification, things like that? I know that some things are more appropriate for certain cultures than others. So as you're looking at that, are you exploring uh, those kind of things as well? Absolutely. So what we are doing is exploring immersive experiences. Uh, We have uh, um, uh, the 5Vs framework that we use, which we'll talk about later, but uh, one of the key components of engagement is looking at um, the energy levels and the engagement, and also what the emotions that the attendees are actually going through um, in the buying process. So what we do is we identify what stage they're actually at in that buying process and looking at the emotions and how gamification or uh, the activity that you run on the booth, whether it's, um, um, you know, um, 
doing a quiz or whether it's interacting with um, uh, an augmented reality uh, application or a VR application. We look at, you know, how can we um, make that experience much more immersive so that they actually remember it uh, away from the event, okay? And uh, memorability is, I think, is um, uh, at the key of engagement um, in this day and age because, you know, long gone are the days where people would come up and say, have you got a freebie or, you know, giving away a pen or something like that does not make you memorable anymore. So um, it's got to be a memorable experience, okay, whether that's through games, through presentations, through hospitality even, you know, uh, having a bar at the booth. It all depends on who you're targeting, what their goals are, and what kind of uh, brand uh, messaging you actually want to get out there. So for in Europe, for example, we have a very much hospitality-based culture when it comes to engagement. People have obviously a bar, uh, they have a seating area, or teas and coffees, and it's a much more relaxed uh, environment. And you go to the US where it's much more in your face, um, and people, uh, you know, approach you in the aisles, okay? They do like these magic shows and uh, everything and everything is game, right? So it all depends on the culture of the country, I would say, in terms of how you actually approach the engagement. Yeah, that is one of the most interesting parts of working internationally from my perspective is to see how each culture handles the whole spectrum of these things from greetings to engagements and so on. It's all part of the intrigue or mystique of it all, how to do it really well and appropriate. And the worst thing is if you make a decision to do something that doesn't bode well for that culture or that country, and then you've really made a huge mistake in judgment. I'm sure you've seen all kinds of situations and faux pas that people have made Wondering if you could just think of any off the top of your head. And also, um, even some situations where uh, companies didn't take the full advantage of a situation uh, where they could have. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest ones uh, I saw was actually at a uh, technology event several years ago when we actually had um, uh, GDPR came in. Um, uh, back in 2018, I think it was, or 2016. Um, and what happened was we had a, a lot of American exhibitors coming over to the UK. And, the, you know, the approach where as you walk past the booth, everybody says, can I scan your badge? Okay. And GDPR actually just hit uh, the UK. And everybody was obviously very sensitive about what data they were giving away. Uh, on a personal level. And there was a lot of companies uh, who took this approach and the attendees were getting really, really annoyed. They said, no, you can't scan my badge. <laughs> uh, or they were asking, what are you going to do with my data? Had the exhibitors been a bit more attentive to what was actually going on in the UK at the time, uh, they would have realized that, you know, the worst thing they could do is actually go and actually scan a badge without any purpose at all. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned GDPR. For those people that might not be familiar, can you explain that to everyone a little bit more? Yeah, sure. The GDPR is something that was brought in by the EU uh, to protect our data, uh, whether it's business or personal, and how it's actually used. So everyone has now got the right to opt out 
or not give that information. So uh, you've seen, uh, if you go to a website, you'll, you'll get a, a pop-up saying, uh, do you give us permission uh, to install these cookies? So this is what GDPR is about, is protecting everyone's uh, personal data. So people really do have different views on this. Uh, I know that uh, an example in my situation, and it's been pretty common uh, in the past history in the U.S. for people to use cookies and things like that to gather data. But a number of years ago when I was part of a Dutch company, um, we were using a product, say, like HubSpot, where you can kind of track using cookies, tracking what people are downloading and what pages they're looking at on your website. And uh, the Dutch had quite a different viewpoint on that than we did. So we tended, from the U.S. perspective, to think nothing of it. Uh, but they were quite uh, reticent to do anything like that without making sure that people gave consent uh, before we were tracking any data like that. So I think it, there are differences in views on that quite clearly. Yeah, absolutely. And this is um, even more important now because you can't just walk up to somebody and say, can I scan your badge? So what you need is uh, a compelling way to engage that person in conversation and build that trust, okay, and then be able to collect the information that you need uh, and obviously show them that it is going to be used in the right way. Uh, so, uh, and I think if you build that trust during the engagement journey, uh, people will not actually, you know, put up their guard in terms of giving you that data that you actually need to be able to do your job um, as, uh, as a salesperson. Yeah. So I'm guessing that GDPR is not the reason for Brexit, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If anything, we still have um, GDPR in the UK. Uh, and yeah. people have been quite positive about it. It's been uh, positively received by uh, consumers and business people. So, um, And it stopped uh, a lot of the shady practices that were going on in terms of uh, collecting people's personal data and how it was actually being used. Well, speaking of data and things like that, um, SEO, search engine optimization, is one of those terms that we hear quite a bit, and people do talk quite a bit about it. Uh, but you've come up with something a little bit different, TEO. Can you talk about what that is? Sure. So TEO um, is trade show engagement optimization. So if you imagine you have a website and you have a trade show booth, so both things are showcasing your company, okay? So uh, companies are spending millions and millions of pounds uh, optimizing their website, making sure that it actually gets found. So my thinking is you have a trade show booth, okay? And you want to be found by all the attendees in the room, in the hall, okay? So why not optimize your trade show engagement, okay? So that you can actually uh, maximize your return on investment from that trade show. So 
the principle is exactly the same. So what we've got is we've got five key principles of a TEO strategy. Uh, number one starts with um, your uh, business strategy, okay, and how it actually aligns with your exhibiting, okay. So why do you actually want to exhibit in the first place? And um, in my experience over the past 14 years, a lot of the companies fail at this very first hurdle because they don't actually have a clear strategy on how their exhibiting process aligns with their business growth process, okay? So, um, so this is the first stage is understanding uh, why are you looking to go and do that exhibition or be present at that exhibition? And what does it actually mean in terms of your business growth? Okay, what's it actually going to give you? Okay, what are your goals for going to that exhibition? How does that align with your, uh, your sales, your marketing and your business growth strategy? So this is something that we need to uh, understand first. Then obviously we have the uh, journey on the booth. Okay, so just like on a website, we measure where people come in, where they've come from, and which page they actually go to. So wouldn't it be fantastic to actually know what are the key areas uh, in that engagement journey where uh, people are actually falling off, okay? So we look at the activity plan. So how many hellos do you need to say at the front end of the booth? How many of those then get filtered into presentations? Um, so you can uh, correlate that with the kind of uh, specific pages that they actually go to on a website. Right. And, and then um, at the end of it, you can look at, right, how much, uh, how many of those people left their data? So how many people filled in the contact form? Okay, so it's the same uh, yeah. principle there. So what it gives you then is metrics on how effective your team was, uh, not your web page, but your actual team, in taking people on that journey on the booth. And then obviously we've got your people, okay? How do you actually train them to be performing at an optimal level at a trade show? Uh, trade show engagement is um, a unique, uh, you know, piece of uh, skill that you actually need to have. And it's not the same as field selling or anything like that. So we need to, um, you know, um, train and brief people in a way uh, that correlates with how people want to be engaged with at a trade show. Uh, and then obviously we've got the KPIs that we measure. Uh, then obviously we've got the follow-up process as well. How many leads did we convert and how does that correlate with your um, your sales process? Uh, uh, you know, what does your sales cycle look like and where did people drop off uh, during that? So if you put that, all that together, that is what we call a trade show engagement optimization. Well, I, I like it. I think it's really cool, unique, different. Thank you. Um, and hopefully your clients are responding well to it also. Yeah, I mean, since I only, I've only literally announced it maybe a month ago uh, that we're uh, now taking this as a framework moving forward to help our clients. And the response has been absolutely fantastic because all of a sudden when I've compared it to SEO, people get it. Yeah, it makes sense. So how should people reach out if they want to get in touch with you? Sure, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Lee Ali, 
uh, Expo stars. If you just search that, there's only one of me and there's only one of Expo stars, so shouldn't be hard to find. <laughs> and your last name is spelled A-L-I. A-L-I, yeah, like yeah. good old Muhammad Ali. So my name is actually uh, joined between my two heroes, which is Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. <laughs> okay, wow, that's cool. Born yeah. in the 70s. So that's where my name actually comes from. So there you go. <laughs> wow, that's neat. Well, thank you, Lee, for joining us on the Global Exhibitor Podcast. It's been great talking to you. Thank you for having me, and it's been a delight to talk to you. So this has been part one of my interview with Lee Ollie of Expo Stars in Manchester, England. Please stay tuned for part two coming up shortly. We like to remind people that all business is conducted within the context of culture. So each episode provides insights to help marketers understand the cultures they're trying to reach and strategies for building bridges across cultural divides. If you like the Global Exhibitor podcast, please share it with others, subscribe to it and rate it. We greatly appreciate the feedback. Please also check out our website and blog at www.globalexhibitor.com. And finally, if you or someone you know would make an interesting guest on this podcast, please let us know by sending an email to guest at globalexhibitor.com. And until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>